0: Hello everybody, I'm Posh Marlowe, and welcome back to the Neuroqueering Podcast. I am here today excited to bring you Matthew Zagreski. He is a doctor of psychology. I think not at all a boring podcast guest, which is one of the main reasons why I brought him on because like me, he leads with vulnerability and humor uh, and has just a spirited uh, way about him. I So I appreciate it. As, as, um, I'm attracted to that kind of person. So uh, he specializes in working with children and adolescents, as well as families, providing therapy and psychological evaluations, a consultant to schools, a professor, a researcher with a specialty of giftedness.
1: So welcome, Matthew. Well, it is wonderful to be here. And please Call me Dr. Matt. That's what everybody calls me. Dr. I, Matt. Yeah. Great. Easier, right. I mean, like no one has to stumble across my ethnic last name that way.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dr. Matt.
1: Dr. Awesome. Matt.
0: Well, welcome, Dr. Matt. And um, I've watched several of your other podcast episodes and videos. And uh I I appreciate how much uh vulnerability and um creativity you bring to your talk. So thank you for that
1: that means a lot. And I mean, similarly bouncing that right back to you. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I rarely seen one that has like the authentic passion you have for this. I mean, it just bleeds through whatever medium you're watching this through. So it's like, you know, like I said, I'm attracted to that energy as well. So it's like, mm-hmm. I feel like you and I are just going to just vibe and it's going to be glorious and we're going to change the world.
0: Let's do it. Let's change the world in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> In a neurodiversity affirming way, of and course. I and right before we talked, you were saying uh, neurodivergent affirming, and I and I actually really appreciate that as well because one of my uh, I, maybe a pet peeve, I don't know, it's just something I'm trying to uh, bring to this podcast in terms of the the languaging around neurodiversity is that neurodiversity is the diversity of all minds, right. but neurodivergent people iADHD, autism, giftedness, trauma, all the things are divergent from the dominant norm. And right. so rather than neurodiverse individuals or neurodivergent individuals, part of a neurodiverse uh, system or, yeah.
1: you know, species. Yeah. That was recently made clear to me um, actually by one of my colleagues who explained it to me and then apologized for his pedantry. And, and I was like, wow, not only did you explain it, but you use pedantry correctly. You're, y'all are my people, right? I mean, that's like, Ooh, That's good. I like words. Words are good, but yeah. I words mean, are good
0: and words yeah. are powerful because I mean, we can't really be a neurodiverse individual anyhow. And so it's interesting to me. So I appreciate it when you said uh, neurodivergent, because I, I think it's a word that isn't uh, used enough when speaking about, uh, um, um non-typical brains and minds, body minds. Uh, so you specialize in giftedness. Uh, and of course I might be one of many people who, as soon as I hear that, think, Ooh, like I, I initially had this, uh, sense of like, Oh, is this like higher functioning, better, a more gifted, uh, 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 you know, like, a." congratulations, your child is gifted. Oh, sorry. Your child is autistic. Like the difference between yeah. the two. And so I'm curious about, cause I'm sure you've heard that uh, before how you define uh, giftedness and is it still in today's society, inclusive enough and sensitive enough to privilege and uh, you know, social social injustice and um, racial inequities, and you know where I'm going. So tell me <laughs> what you feel giftedness means.
1: So it is a complicated term, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of baggage with it. and you know, and I think we have to embrace that if we are moving forward, in a way that is unpacking the privilege that comes with any term, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I always say that my work in this field started with my own self, right? I'm a gifted kid. I also have ADHD and I was identified gifted in second grade as many kids are. And I say many kids are with the necessary caveat that I'm the person that giftedness was, was, was built from, not for, right. but from. Okay. I'm an upper middle class white male from the suburbs, yep. right? I was Johnny. Raise a hand, right? Like I know that. I know that. I'll take that to the office. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'm a little teacher in the room, you know, little playground senator running around. Uh huh. Uh And we have traditionally found gifted kids in those spaces. So over time, it became we looked for gifted kids in those spaces, mm-hmm. right? Hmm. Several years ago, I was I had an opportunity to speak to the Philadelphia school district. Um, you know, I lived in Philly for many years, and I said, you know, giftedness represents the top two percentile of learners, right? So it's an IQ of one thirty or higher. That's the ninety eighth percentile. So it's like, so just by the numbers, you guys should have X number of gifted kids, and you have a much smaller number than that, which mm-hmm. means these kids are here. Statistically speaking, mm-hmm. we know that they must exist. So, mm-hmm. where are they? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I mean, we don't know where. I was like, no, 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 it's not anybody's fault, but it means we're not looking for them the right way. Right. There are multiple kinds of intelligence. Yes. And that loads in multiple different ways. And if you're only looking for the kid who knows all the answers and raises their hand, you're only going to find that kid. Right. But if
0: you define giftedness by the IQ alone, do you feel like IQ tests? alone are inclusive and, and honor multiple intelligences?
1: IQ tests are a tool and they're a necessary one, but they are, they cannot, nor should they be the only part of it. Okay. Right. Um, I have many colleagues who do more works in this, like colleague Scott Peters being a great example, but that we have to cast a wider net using different tools to find kids in different, in different areas. You know, one thing that um, have you ever seen the show American Ninja Warrior? No, I've heard of it. But I've never it's seen it. Great. So if you ever watch it, one of the kinds of intelligence that exists is kinesthetic intelligence, mm-hmm. an awareness of your body in space. I don't know how great these people did in school, right. but I can tell you if you can fling yourself through the air 15 feet and catch a two inch platform with your hands and then swing yourself to the right to catch a different platform, that is a gift. That is giftedness, that is exceptional, that is top 2%. But there's no IQ test that measures that, right? Right. You need to have people present themselves in their best, for their best selves, right? And that requires meeting people where they are and listening to their stories and those stories, Mm -hmm. not just what we expect things to look like. And so as in with any term, right, we have to um, unpack our implicit bias. Yes. And that's vital if we're going to be equitable, if we're going to be honorable and and catch all the people because every single person deserves the help they need. And Mm -hmm. if you're a divergent person who Mm -hmm. comes from non-traditional means, then you are much less likely to be caught. Ergo, you are much less likely to get what you need.
0: Mm -hmm. right?
1: Then the system Mm -hmm. becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, you don't get the gifted services. You're underwhelmed in school. You stop trying. Therefore it proves giant air quotes that you're not gifted. And right. And
0: somebody who's twice exceptional or like two E or three E because didn't you, didn't you, uh, one time you said three E three e gifted neurodivergent
1: and queer. Was that the three or that queer is one of the common three E's it's, any socially disadvantaged identity. Okay. So someone could be this, you know three E for race. They could be three E for ethnicity. They could be three E for native identity. Okay. And many of my colleagues, um, uh Christina Collins and Donna Ford being two of the eminent scholars in this area, I feel like I'm name-dropping a lot, but they're just better at this than I am. And I want to, <laughs> I don't wanna, it's like citations in a paper, right? <laughs> um, but That's they good. would they argue that. People who come from low so low socioeconomic systems would also qualify as three E because of this idea mm-hmm. that you're coming from a much more disadvantaged place.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you right. think the way the system is set up right now uh accommodates gifted students? Oh god. <laughs> okay. Not even a little okay. bit. <laughs> okay. And then and and uh when my well, they're now adults my children they were in the gifted and talented program is that still a term that's used uh gifted and talented it just like it just adds to the <laughs> implicit bias right. and,
1: and privilege not much you're, better you're than good you. right, you're, yeah. you're
0: smart and you're talented unlike the other 98 percent you're like i just hated it all the time so and they were embarrassed by it uh, oh, in yeah, in a way
1: yeah, and you, and programs have moved. There's you'll see challenge is a thing that people use a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll use advanced, which I I hate that term. Yeah, uh, you know, I tell schools, teachers, parents when I we work with them that gifted education is special education, mm-hmm. right? Now mm-hmm. in American society, that has a very particular vibe for being on the low end of the IQ spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that it's tier two is strategic intervention and st- tier three is intensive intervention. Okay. We can just move them on the other side of the IQ spectrum. Yes. And intensive intervention for a gifted learner means that if you're in sixth grade and everybody else is learning multiplication and you're on multivariate calculus, right. That's a kid who needs intensive intervention. Right. right. It's not about superiority, it's about giving people what they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I will be the first to acknowledge that this is a very challenging line to walk, right? Because yes. there are things that gifted learners can do that their peers cannot do, right? I will own that. I totally with it. Mm-hmm. There are also elements of being gifted um, that make gifted learners unable to do things that their peers can do or struggle with those things, right? So it's about me, it's about serving the whole person. Yes. And traditionally gifted education has been about high level academics, intellectual challenge, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And now people are understanding that part of the, so the, the gifted brain is a different brain than a neurotypical brain, mm-hmm. which is why giftedness has a seat at the table in the neurodivergent movement, right? That's Got like, it. we we really, we belong here. We promise there's, there's the, all sorts of brain studies I can show you. <laughs> But the idea here is that because of how the gifted brain develops asynchronously, yes. there are things that load into school systems that many teachers are like, oh, that's great. But there are also things about the gifted brain that load into a school system that make teachers go, oh, I hate it, right? right. So it's that complexity that I advocate for, that the reason that this is not, it's not a gift to be gifted as mm-hmm. a woman. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because there might be this perceived competence in all areas if they're academically competent and then they might struggle socially or with an executive functioning. But it's but it's behind the scenes. It reminds me of uh, as a girl and a woman with ADHD that my hyperactivity is all internal, uh, you know, in the ruminating thoughts and and intrusive thoughts. And uh, just my my outward appearance was not uh hyperactive or traditionally ADHD. So if the struggles are internalized, then how can schools accommodate unless they're sensitive to that? Right. Yeah. And so you, you talked about reclaiming the word gifted, much like you, you mentioned much like people have reclaimed the word queer. So I just want you to
1: speak about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I remember growing up and hearing the word queer almost exclusively as a, as a, as a slur. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the famous line from Full Metal Jacket, like, you know, uh, you know, only steers and queers come from Texas. And he did not mean that in an affirming way. He was not an ally in that scenario. Yes. Right. right. And I can't help what other people know or think they know about the word gifted. Right. Mm-hmm. You could make a very good argument. It's not a great term. You know, I would mm-hmm. certainly be open to that argument. But as a piece of neurodivergence, right? What we're seeing is people understand that there is a lot more complexity to being gifted. There are challenges yes. and strengths and likes and dislikes and poor fits with environment that are relevant and meaningful. So people are saying like, I'm gifted and here's what I need, not yeah. "I'm look how good I am. Cause I'm right. Gifted. Right. Right. And there are schools and districts that still hold it up that way. Mm-hmm. Kids who get the straight A's, the kids who volunteer for everything, you exactly. know. And I, I, I would be wrong if I said those kids didn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the idea here is that the more neurodivergent a person is, the more support they need, and the less likely the system is to support them. Right. Right. right? Yeah. So I'm seeing people reclaim the word gifted as this idea is like, I'm a gifted adult. I didn't stop being gifted when I turned 18 and I aged out of school, just like you don't stop being autistic when you're 18. You don't stop being queer when you're 18. Like these are things that exist. They are part of ourselves. And you carry your brain with you wherever you go. So, you know, and
0: is there even in just the word "gifted"? But and "gift" is such a you know positive, yay, a gift. You know, it's a present, and it's like it reminds me of again ADHD, where the word is deficit, Uh, and so it it just already implies um, a problem and pathologizes it. And much like gifted, already implies that you're just lucky, you're just so fortunate. And so, I want—is there a campaign to? To change terminology at all, or or not really it
1: it bubbles up at basically every conference, okay. and there are, there are people who who bang that gong. i you know, I think that as someone who studies the brain and works with brains a lot i I often say that I especially in working with neurodivergent people, yeah, and my specialty within that is giftedness, okay. Right? okay. Because giftedness has a seat at the table there. And then I'm sort of covering both ends of that because increasingly, the more we learn about the brain, and then how much we learn about the gifted brain, there are elements to to that neuro neurology that are that come with inherent challenge. Mm-hmm. So it not as simple as giving a kid a stack of library books and patting them on the head and saying, "Go to Harvard," right? If 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 that exists, my job wouldn't exist, and I like right. my job. So- <laughs>
0: I want to keep my job. So stop challenging this. Yes. So, um, and I imagine there's a lot of uh, misdiagnoses of autism. uh, Lord, yes. Right. And vice versa. Right. And so I'm curious as, because you do evaluations, what, what would be the defining aspects of, of autism versus giftedness?
1: Well, and that's actually a whole talk I give. Um, And it's based on this idea um, are you familiar with the show Big Bang Theory? Uh, I have seen that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there we go. Like we're just checking our pop culture boxes today. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, so Sheldon Cooper, the main character of the show, right? Sure. Um, Chuck Lorre, who wrote the show, has gone on record saying that Sheldon is not autistic. Right? He's like, I've known many scientists. He's just like the scientists I knew. But Jim Harden, the actor who played Sheldon, has a sister who's autistic. And he's like, no, no, no. Sheldon is definitely autistic, right? (laughs) So if the writer and the actor- (laughs) autistic, Right? Yeah. And if I went through a list of all the things the gifted brain has and a list of all the things the autistic brain has, you'd say there's a lot of overlap. Yes. In terms of neurotypes, they are very, very similar with some pretty minute differences that many people are not trained to look for. So I tell parents, like, if you, if you go get an autism evaluation for your kiddo, make sure it includes an IQ test. Okay. Because just like you mentioned before, autism, like, oh, your kid's autistic, has this sort of low end special education, can't do it mindset to it. But if your IQ shows up in high levels in, let's say, spatial reasoning, Right. Then you're gifted in that area. Then you'd be a twice exceptional adult, right? You've got giftedness and autism, and autism combining in your brain, right? And you've got parts of that where it's harmonic and it's crushing it and it's awesome. And there are parts where it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Part of the neurodiversity movement mm-hmm. is re- is seeing those things either as positive or non-valued, right? Okay. So as a gifted kid with ADHD, I cannot tell you how many times I heard growing up. If you could only focus, imagine <laughs> you could what just, you can do. Just apply yourself. Yeah, <laughs> Just apply yourself. You know, and I, now I say like, God knew I would have been too powerful if I had executive functioning, you know? That I mean, that, would have <laughs> taken things over. I would have been like Thanos, but you know, on the good side of things. Um, but the idea here is that like, Now, the language we're hearing in schools from mental health professionals, from teachers, from administrators is, here's where you are, we'll get you where you want to go. And if that means a kid has executive functioning deficits, which come endemic to the gifted brain, to ADHD, to autism, right? There's a lot of executive functioning challenges in neurodivergent people. Sure. What, What that ends up looking like is... Sometimes kids need a lot of scaffolding and support. Sometimes they don't need it. Sometimes they only need it in very specific areas, right? But the idea here is that creativity and the individuality and the customization that you're seeing now means kids are getting what they need, right? And it isn't this one size fits all, here's a planner, figure it out. Because I'm sure you and I both got plenty of planners growing up. Never use never, them, but yes, never I used them. Them. they're a lovely stack <laughs> in the corner of my room.
0: Good for um, fire making and
1: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> fire setting. Probably should be another podcast episode. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Uh, but I mean, that's the idea. It's like it isn't as simple as here's a planner, it's about what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what are your interests. Let us build an executive functioning. Scaffold around that stuff, knowing that that's what's going to help you develop those skills in the most effective way.
0: Okay. Okay. Right. And I'm thinking about you as a gifted child with ADHD. And if you're, you know, quickly able to catch on to concepts and you're maybe smarter than some of your teachers and you have ADHD and you crave, you know, variety and novelty and get bored easily and distracted easily. I can imagine that that uh, could show up as many with many challenges uh, to focus, focusing and attention in the classroom.
1: When when someone gets bored easily in mainstream Mm -hmm. education, yeah, you are setting them up to fail because the American education system has a tremendous amount of redundancy built into it, right? And it's done that way because it's based off the industrial revolution and the, you know, conveyor belt system, right? Like, sure, for many neurotypical learners, they need to spend six months on addition and then spend the next six weeks of the next school year on addition to make sure they got it because you want to catch everybody. I'm with it. Those 70% of kids in the middle of the IQ spectrum, by all means, that's what they need. But if that's not what you need, that's not what you should get. Right. Agreed. If I get dinner and you're allergic to soy, I'm not going to take you to a to a Japanese restaurant. That's just a bad idea. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe we go to like a place that has all sorts of different kinds of food, right? Or we find yeah. a restaurant that fits you. And so gifted learners are not asking for different things because they seek to be better or superior. They're asking for the things that they need because they are the things they need yes right yeah and we're an so accommodation mm-hmm. it's an accommodation right yeah and mm-hmm. you know one of my colleagues jim delisle he does an exercise where he has a room full of teachers he says all right everybody say the alphabet a through z and so everyone says the alphabet he goes great do it again so you all look at each other and we do it again and he he's do it a third time and by the end of the third time people are mad like you would, a room full of compassionate intelligence. Like, oh, Wasted right. my time and energy my time. Right. I took a professional development day for this. Right. But that's, that's just it. Like if you can capture that feeling. Yes. In just a 32nd exercise. Yeah. Imagine, imagine how that feels for an entire school. Yes.
0: Year, right. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And there's a, there's an aspect to, uh, the neurodivergent mind that comes up when you say all this, which is that, and and it feels reckless from a professional standpoint. So I'm wondering, so we can catch on to concepts very quickly, uh, with giftedness, ADHD, autism, I'm sure many other, uh, neurodivergencies as well, but, uh, there's, there's this sense of, okay, I got it. And then, well, now I'm going to go implement it and now I'm going to go teach it and now I'm going to create a business out of it. Like I just learned it 30 minutes ago, but now it's my job. And yes. so this that that aspect of us being able to quickly become proficient in, in an idea or concept and potentially then uh, expand upon it or go teach it. Have you seen that with a lot of your clients? I know I see that often with with okay. my clients and, and, in my, and in myself too, um, the ability to to integrate a concept right away,
1: right away. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's up, it up to fail in two vital ways because for the <laughs> things that don't download immediately, clearly I can't do this. Right. 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 It's like, well, actually, hold on. Like if you can stick with it, there's value to that, but also it sets us up for imposter syndrome because yes. it's like, I, you know, I didn't do theater at all until high school, freshman year of high school. Yeah, and then I, I, I knew know. you were a
0: theater. Oh,
1: I, I didn't know until I knew though, right? <laughs> because I mean, think about it. I grew up in suburbs of New Jersey in the nineties, right? Uh, the only yeah, art we saw was professional wrestling. Let's be real, right? <laughs> you know, like I knew Broadway was a thing. It was in New yeah, York. You were right like, there. Oh, yeah. there. Yeah, So yes. many wasted days. I... <laughs> but So now I want to be in on it and I'm learning my terminology and I learn how to make costumes and makeup and all that stuff, but I felt like such a fraud because kids would be like, oh my gosh, Bernadette Peters and Gypsy. And I'd be like, I understood one of those words, right? (laughs) You know, because you don't know because you downloaded the rapid version of it. Yes. Got to be able to be confident enough to sit in that space and say, I am relatively new to this. I downloaded this quickly. I'm super enthusiastic. And my enthusiasm will carry me through to learn the things in real time. Yes, but if you're not used to that experience, it can be jarring enough to send you popping right out of there. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know, I have a I have a client who's really he's he's a high level um, he's a high level curler. He does curling like in the Winter Olympics, uh-huh. and he he figured it out quickly. He's good at it. He's moving up the rankings. And then there was a particular technique that somebody taught him at a competition that he'd never heard of before, and he called me in, in a panic. He's like, "I don't know this thing, you know. I I, I forget what it's called. We call it the Ottawa slide. Like I don't know the Ottawa slide. Air go. I'm not good at this. I'm like, buddy, hold on. <laughs> <I> should never <laughs> curl again. Yeah, Clearly yeah. Like I'm I'm turning in my gear. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I I'm a musical theater nerd. I've still never seen Cats. Oh, I know. I mean, like, it's, you know, the, the most vicious of all revelations. But, you know, I've, I've seen rent six times. I mean, got to rent, awesome. You, know. you, you, you actually mentioned in one of your
0: uh, webinars that one of your favorite phrases in therapy, I might be misquoting you is like, don't let other people take up rent in your in your mind. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, I started thinking about rent and and the rent songs and and uh, <laughs> exactly exactly. Um, so, somewhat related to to musical theater, at least in my brain, is queerness because, of course, we know that many people in theater, also in their um, wonderful creativity and open mindedness, also identify as queer. As do forty two to sixty nine percent of autistic minds. So, I'm curious if you find that correlation in uh, giftedness as well. Do many gifted
1: people identify in the LGBTQ community? Very much so. And, Mm. you know, in my initial exposure to the LGBT community was through theater. And I mean, once again, late nineties, where it was like, wait, you're gay, like giant eyebrows up. Like it's a whisper secret. Right. And, and I often tell this story, like, you know, because once again, just like queer was used in an insult, so was the word gay. Right. And I remember, in sophomore year, I started dating a girl from a rival high school, and somebody found out, like, dude, that's so gay. And I was mm. like, that is literally the opposite of the word. There are so many better words for stupid. Call me stupid. Like, 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 don't use the wrong word. Like, it bothered me from a pedantry level. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, your
0: giftedness. That is not the correct.
1: <laughs> if Definitely. you're going to insult me, insult me properly, gosh darn it. Um, but but then I realized like these people are my friends, these people are my colleagues, these are people who are, you know, the thing that matters most to me is I'm sharing this with them. Mm. And my journey into allyship started then, and mm-hmm. it's taken leaps and bounds, and you know and now i it's, it's part of my professional identity i give a lot of talks on this i you know i want to help people understand that that third e is often lgbtq yeah for our kids which means we are adding another complexity we're adding another socially you know vulnerable state of being yeah. you know and You know, and it's the, it's the sort of thing where you've part of being gifted is this strong sense of justice, Yes, right? It's like this endemic idea of like, I will fight the wrongs in the universe. Yes. One of my, one of the kids I work with, he's like, he's like, how do I advocate for all the gay kids, all the queer kids, all the gifted kids, all the two, I'm like, you got to (laughs) pass seventh grade first, dude. Like, I (laughs) I love it. Yeah. that. that But I mean, you know, it's just, it's like uh, the kid makes me want to run through a wall for him because it's like, you know, you forget, or it's easy to forget what it was like to be that young and, you know, damn the torpedoes. Right. So like I tell parents in schools, it's like, if you have a highly gifted population, if you are serving neurodivergent learners, then you have to be prepared to serve LGBTQ kids Absolutely. You're failing them and you're not and you know and you're gonna set yourself up to to not meet their needs. And I've actually I I had to walk away from a professional collaboration a couple of years ago because he was not willing to follow me there. He said, mm-hmm. I against my beliefs. And I said, Then you're in the wrong field. hmm You know, mm-hmm. there's and too much crossover. I, right? Yeah. I won't I won't apologize for it. It's yeah, you know. Believe what you want to believe. I'm not going to stop you from that. But if you want to serve these kids, yes, then you got to leave that at the door. And if you can't, then find something else to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to uh, sex and intimacy in, in general and in the clients I serve mostly autism, ADHD, there's a lot of talk about sex and intimacy and, and sensory processing issues and challenges in, in focusing and obviously some social aspects too. But I'm curious, uh, because you teach sex ed for uh, the gifted population, what what are the special uh, needs or accommodations that you find in, in that community related to sex and intimacy?
1: So part of the asynchronous development that takes place in neurodivergent learners, especially gifted learners is a relative lag in social and emotional functioning. Mm -hmm. Um, It tends to be on the lower end. I mean, obviously we're casting a wide net, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you think about the nuance that comes into sex, dating, intimacy, if you are socially asynchronous, Mm -hmm. that's part of your neurodivergence, then you're setting yourself up for not only not being able to connect to people who want to be intimate with you, but potentially putting yourself in very dangerous situations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm a sex positive person, right? I want Mm -hmm. my clients to understand that sex is great. Big Mm -hmm. fan, two big thumbs up on that one, (laughs) right? You know, you know, yay, all the good stuff. And also, right, if you are not reading those signals, you are potentially finding yourself in a dangerous situation So, you know, I always say like, you know, pray for rain, but dig a well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I want my kids to be protected. I want my kids to have wonderful, affirming, positive, spectacular experiences and also protect themselves against people who would do them harm. Right. And I think that is given the social skills that are involved in that, I think layering that into a good social emotional learning program is best practice.
0: That makes sense. I was talking to, uh, I'll name drop too. Um, Ari, I was talking to Ari Tuckman, uh, who wrote ADHD after dark, we were talking about ADHD sex and intimacy. And he was saying that it's not that, you know, it's not that sexual, uh, trauma has caused ADHD, uh, at all. ADHD, uh, is more likely to put you in a situation where you might experience, Sexual trauma, and so it, have you found that too in the uh, gifted population? That because of those nuances socially, that they're that they find themselves in situations they weren't expecting, weren't anticipating, and weren't prepared for. Definitely,
1: yeah. And, and given that gifted learners tend to seek intellectual peers, which mm-hmm. tend to be older people. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. wittingly or unwittingly, it opens you up to that. I mean, there was a case I was brought in to consult on a few years ago. Kid, seventh grade kid, you know, brilliant musician. They accelerated him to the high school marching band. He's a talented music kid. Put him with the other music kids. It makes sense. They're doing marching band. He's crushing it. They have a party. Who doesn't have a yeah. high school? They have a party, right? He, he got invited. His parents were thrilled. He never gets invited to parties. He goes to the party. Kids are playing spin the bottle which I didn't know kids actually still played, but like, yeah, that's right. So they're playing spin the bottle and he got super uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like, you don't have to play. Like, you know, we're we're accommodating you, right? And that's fine. And then one of the kids at the party who had had a little bit too much to drink was like, I think you're so cute. I think we should date. And once again, no one had ever had that conversation with him right. because they sort of assumed that he wasn't interested, or he wasn't ready, and that's part of the old mindset of serving gifted and neurodivergent learners. Yeah, right. You know, because no one ever said this, he didn't have the skills, and he, you know, they brought me in actually because the cop, the party got busted by the cops, so the thirteen-year-old client is in jail, and he's like, "Um, help!" You know, oh, because put him in lockup, and. Ugh. You know, it yeah, it was a whole thing, um, yeah. but he was much more traumatized, as it were, by the social sexual experiences. Sure. Rather than getting thrown in the back of a cruiser, uh, because he's like, I know I didn't do anything wrong. I was just there. Yeah. So, you know, and of course, he's saying to the cops. He's like, actually, our rights under the state of flank are... Um, I mean, and go, listen to this guy. He's a man, right? on page forty two of your manual,
0: <laughs> you'll <will> see, <laughs> yeah,, uh, it's fascinating. Uh, it, well, I'm so glad we talked because I think I had a lot of biases against uh, the 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 term and what it meant and and how it was uh perhaps used in schools to perpetuate um mainly white. Wealthy privilege. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm very glad we have this conversation. Who's more
1: privileged than me. I say, you know, it's right. I mean, it's a thing. I I want to dismantle it through the work I get to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: and what, what better
0: podcast to do it on than neuroqueering, where the whole idea is to dismantle, uh, terms and social norms and to challenge, uh, structures and institutions and systems. So uh that that's exciting to me. Um so yeah I'm so happy we talked and thank you. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Like how people can reach you uh or you're like no don't reach me. I don't want <laughs> you to reach uh, where, where can people follow your work?
1: Yeah. I've hidden a series of clues somewhere <laughs> on Reddit. Uh, <laughs> um, um no I mean uh you can track me down uh www. D-R-M-A-T-T-Z-A-K-R-E-S-K-I.com. Doctor Matt Zagreski. Um, punch punch me into Google. I pop up many. Places. Punch you into Google. Yeah. Punch me into Google. Um, I do a lot of talks. Um, so if you know you're hearing this, you're like, I think this is a message that my school organization needs to hear. By all means, reach out. This is this is something that I talks I've given to big corporations, homeschool collectives, and everything in between. Um, But the thing I leave you with is that your brain is a huge part of who you are and it is never too late to understand how that brain works in terms of strengths, weaknesses, likes, and dislikes. The more, you know, it's like reading your own operator's manual, right? So, you know, if you're always, if you're sitting here wondering like, yeah, like that kind of sounds like me, I, I feel these things about these things, then contact me. And if, In either I can help you do that, or I'll point you at somebody who can, because it is never too late to know about yourself because so much of the the core element of the work we both do is living your best life, your most authentic life. Yes. And a big part of that is understanding what's going on up here. So it's not too late to learn about that stuff and we'll get you the support and accommodations you need, whether you're six or 62.
0: I love that. Yeah, I will. I will second what Dr. Matt said because I think a lot of us lack uh, the experience of a sense of belonging a community, but also a sense of feeling aligned and integrated with our truest, mm-hmm. most authentic selves. And so, yeah, never too late to do that because that's I feel like a um, a human a human desire and and um, and right that that we should that we should find that we should find safe spaces to be completely ourselves and to understand ourselves and to be accepted yes completely yes so good um also before we sign off i'll be starting in the new year uh what i'm calling neuro community uh so it's going to be an online community uh, including group coaching and co-working sessions and this online uh ongoing weekly session. So, uh, check out my website for that. For those of you who are listening, pashamarlow.com. And I hope Dr. Matt, that we cross paths, uh, in 3d or online, uh,
1: sometime soon. Oh, can we please, I would love that very much. And yeah, we you
0: know, should go see cats. I mean, for real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I won't. <laughs> oh,
0: you're not, oh you are not you are not seeing cats yes. at
1: this point. It's, it's, I've gone too far, you know,
0: then we shall uh, produce a
1: neurodivergent rent performance. See now, right. I mean, I mean, like now I'm in, like, tell me all about it. Um, you know, and yeah, you know, I, I always joke that like the musical be more chill, which is like everybody I work with just in a singular musical. Um, it actually premiered in the town I grew up in Red Bank, New Jersey. So yes. at the two river theater. So like, cool. you know, that show, I'm like,
0: it started where I started absolutely absolutely oh so fun all right well thank you everybody for neuroqueering with us today and we'll talk soon
1: have a good one bye
0: before you go i have a favor to ask please subscribe to this podcast that way you won't miss an episode and it'll help me bring it to folks who need it most fellow adhd minds out there I know you're going to forget I would too. So let's push that button now and subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bonus points if you spread the word of the Neuroqueering Podcast by sharing it or reviewing it. Thank you. Also, if you want to see more of me, please follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Neuroqueer Coach. Sign up for coaching at PashaMarlow.com or to guest on my show or leave feedback, email at Pasha at Neuroqueering.com. Thanks all. Happy Neuroqueering. Enjoy your day.